My name is Jackie Lamport. Today is Monday, April 19th. Welcome to the Capital Daily Podcast. Today on the show. If we can add another 24 safe, agreeable locations for seasonal workers um, to work here, that's a big win for a small community. COVID-19 numbers in the province are hitting all-time highs, just as seasonal workers are making their way to Euclid and surrounding areas. This Municipal Monday, we speak to Euclid Mayor Mega Noel to learn about the strategies in place to provide COVID-safe housing for workers and vaccinations to keep locals safe this season. Today's Capital Daily podcast is sponsored by The West Shore, Capital Daily's newest local newsletter. Subscribe today at theWestShore.ca. Before we get into the show today, I just want to take this moment to remind you that if you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is leave a rating and a review and also share on your socials so others can find the podcast. It helps a lot and we really appreciate it. And now to the show. Manuel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about seasonal workers. First, I wanted to look at it outside of COVID times. Is there ever an issue when it comes to seasonal workers finding housing when it's not a pandemic? Yeah, for sure. That's a big struggle here. You know, we um, here on the West Coast, obviously a tourist destination, but it's also pre-COVID. We've also been on a bit of a construction boom here. So long-term availability has been a struggle and it's compounded with the, um, with the, the demand here recently for people wanting to move here. Mm-hmm. How does COVID complicate housing more? Oh man, how does COVID complicate housing more? What it's done here, there is just the little bit of housing stock that was available there is a, a new type of Canadian that has decided that they want to move to rural parts of British Columbia and, and Euclid's one of them. And they just want to kind of get to these smaller communities, knuckle down and maybe change their lifestyle. So I think that's probably one of the biggest factors that we see is different than pre-COVID. Let's talk about the seasonal workers, because right now you're going to start seeing the influx of, uh, of people coming into the, to the city for slightly short term stays, but, uh, you know, two to three months. What does it look like when they arrive, given that there's a pandemic? Is there testing? Um, is there mandatory quarantine? What's going on there? Hey, that is a good question. And, and the reality is this subject continues to change quite, you know, quite mm-hmm. quickly here. Every week's different. Obviously, with the new provincial um, request is to stay close to home you know, people and all of these entrepreneurs were preparing themselves for the summer of 2021. So that way you just asked me, wasn't a conversation piece other than, hey, are you following proper protocol? And are you staying, are you, are you healthy? And you know, you're showing no signs and symptoms. So now, you know, you escalate it to today where, you know, there's new variances and stuff. So, you know, everybody's definitely trying to follow best practices, but still on the West Coast here, we like to say is that, we're a relatively close uh, knit community and everyone is, you know, doing their part. There's a lot of places still shut down. So they're, they're ensuring that there's no risk there. And those that are open, they're doing their damnedest there just to follow best practices. Okay. Okay. But so there's no testing for people, but it's just kind of uh, good, good no. faith. Well, 
there is testing. So if you show up to work or you show up in the community and you show signs uh, signs and symptoms, you phone the 1-800 number and then you go get tested. So mm-hmm. that's the protocol and that has uh, that has worked well. I personally have been tested once. Mm-hmm. I had those signs and symptoms when I got tested. So I know firsthand that system is working. And yeah. if we can just have people follow that, that's a big win. Awesome. Okay. Um, tell me about the plan for seasonal workers this year. Well, the plan is we have a task force and about a month or two ago, one of the things come out of the task force is, hey, you know, we're, we know that we need to help the seasonal workforce. So we went with a low hanging fruit item, which was let's uh, make uh, an application process, which is very um, free of red tape that will allow applicants a short time frame to apply for a temporary use permit, which is good for six months. On a residence, that would be for one trailer. If you're on a commercial property, you could do two or three, for example. Uh, so some requirements on a residential loan or, or residential lot, you would have to speak to your neighbors. You'd have to ensure that you have a, uh, you know, a, something to do with sewer and water and a hookup for hydro. And that seems to be working. Okay, so then that would allow seasonal workers who are coming over to you know, live in their vans or trailers or campsites on people's property? Kind of two different topics. So that's just giving an entrepreneur, let's say on the commercial, the ability to add some housing stock. Because right now we don't know. And right now a lot of the businesses actually just prepared for Easter long weekend only to be shut down. Mm -hmm. A lot of them actually have housing rented, which isn't being used. This was just another platform to give people some opportunity. Okay. So it's kind of um, attacking two causes. One where it's giving people another uh, potential income and then also providing housing for workers who are coming into the community. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think the income part is the real high focus of this. It's about just getting, giving some uh, opportunities for some people. And mm-hmm. some of those people in a residence, they may not even be for someone they know yet. They're just getting prepared. And you're right; mm-hmm. they might be able to charge five or six hundred dollars a month for that. Have there been any issues in the past when it comes to seasonal workers who take up residences on on with their vans or their tents on back roads or? Um... And I think I think that I think that's that the question everybody's kind of thinking of the the back road. Problems that occurred in 2020. Mm-hmm. This is not a this is not a reaction to 2020 back roads. Okay. People that were on the back roads traditionally, I'm just generalizing, uh, was a lifestyle thing. Mm-hmm. These were people coming out to the west coast to hide out. Uh, these are people that we had a lot of campsites available for rent. They chose not to do that. They just it's a real life thing, lifestyle thing. In the district of Euclid, we really do not encourage, and we have bylaw enforcement. So if people are parking their campers trying to hide on a back street or in a neighborhood is really a low tolerance for that. Not that it's a homeless problem. It's just really a lifestyle thing. At the end of the day, myself and my community are not comfortable with a camper waking up in the morning, opening their door, urinating on her front lawn and continuing on there. That kind of stuff is disrespectful to the community. So we're just trying to encourage people that want to do the van life. Look, here are the, here are the local campsites and uh, we, we encourage you to, um, uh, to, to follow that process. Okay. The deadline for landowners to apply for this permit is today. So and I got one. I got one on my desk. I'm even applying here. And <laughs> okay. so I have a deadline at four. So hence why um, once we're done the interview, I'll head down to the yeah. city hall. Yeah. That's about an hour and a half from now, a little bit more than that. <laughs> that's um, right. How many, did you get a lot of applications? I don't know the final number. I'm going to assume there's probably, you know, between 24 and let's say 48 would be my guess. Wow. Okay. Great. And that, you know, when you put that in context in a town of 2000 people, if we can add another 24 safe, agreeable locations for seasonal workers, 
um, to work here, that's a big win for a small community. And, and I'll just backtrack because one of the things I've also compounded is the fact is we've been very successful in some bigger grants. So we have a lot of construction workers. We have a new high school being built and a new elementary school. So those kind of workers taking long, long, um, taking the long-term uh, rent out of the equation as well as compounded the problem. So this is a great little solution. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there are people who stay at campgrounds as their housing? Yeah, for sure. If you're a worker from out of town and you've got a trailer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've had my own daughter on a, my own commercial property last year running my business and she stayed in a trailer. It's, you know, they follow all CSA approval. They got, you know, two exits and we're just trying to make it so people don't have to hide it. There's always been an avenue for people to apply for a temporary use permit up to three years. We probably to date maybe have six to eight residential properties that have RVs have gone through the process. We're just trying to dummy this down. One quick little application, a couple information sessions, and a, and a deadline, as you described, which is today at 4 o'clock. And we'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's Capital Daily podcast is brought to you by The West Shore, Capital Daily's newest local newsletter. BC's fastest-growing community now has its own independent, local-first, in-depth journalism. Subscribe to receive Vital Langford, View Royal, Cawood, Highlands, Machosan, and Souk News in your email inbox first thing every Tuesday and Thursday morning at theWestShore.ca. Let's get into another factor that's going to help keep workers and people who live in the community of Euclid safe this season, and that's vaccinations, uh, which there has been some good news. <laughs> I got one. I got one. Oh, fantastic. That's that's Congratulations. That's wonderful. A community clinic just opened on April 12th. What can you tell me about that? Community clinic, uh, which started on the 12th, uh, is doing regional vaccines here for the entire region in both towns. And it's well, very well received and, and truly appreciated by all of us on the West Coast. When it comes to seasonal workers, are they eligible for the vaccine or is it only for people who live in Euclid full-time it is it's traditionally for those living in the area Whistler was able to have people show up with a pay stub that you work for an employer ours is a little bit different it's to deal with uh those people that are have, have a local address would you want to see it opened up to people who work there as well just for the benefit of the community yeah we sure you know we definitely we're the you know Euclid is proud to be the have the largest uh, groundfish fleet working out of Euclid here. So we have factory ships and stuff. So definitely there's a desire to see that increased a bit. So we can just try to stretch out a little bit to that working community that uh, calls uh, Euclid a home for that for uh, during the summer months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Euclid will actually be ahead of a large portion of the island and mm-hmm. the province in general when it comes to vaccinations for good reason. It's, yeah. a, it's a remote community. What will it mean for folks living there? Will life change or do you think Will, will everything kind of just stay the same until everybody's vaccinated? I think a lot of things will remain the same as in mass. We're not going to be going to restaurants, following provincial orders. What it has done though, it's giving the residents, including my own household. It's just, it's, it's a non-conversation piece, right? At mm-hmm. least that we've got the vaccine. We're doing our part and that's all we can. Mentally, it just feels a bit better, right? 100%. This is everybody's been waiting for this box and it's nice to see that, uh, or, you know, the smaller rural communities are at the top of the priority list. Everybody's been impacted by the pandemic, but some areas were hit differently. Being a remote community, how has COVID impacted Euclid over the past year and a bit? Oh, 
you man, you got jam-packed questions here. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's been over the over the fourteen months. It's been like an emotional roller coaster. You think you come over one hump, then you get through. I, I get that's what it must feel like to be a marathon runner, right? And there has definitely been a lot of challenges. There's been a lot of um, of emotions here because we are a very large base of entrepreneurs that are in, that are directly involved in the hospitality inter- industry, which has been directly affected. Um, you know, at the very beginning, you know, there was everybody thought that, you know, they were going to lose everything and it doesn't mean there still aren't. Uh, but the community resilience and the ability to pull together, it's really pulled the region together with different conversations. You know, collectively on the West Coast, there are eight communities, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, and it's giving us I think it's been really the highlight for me. It's the first time, didn't matter what ethnic group you are or what community, the first time that we all had a common vision in a battle together. And I think that the COVID has done that just, but it's also showed um, perhaps some weaknesses in the system and in particular, you know, the medical system where in, you know, traditionally in a rural setting where you would have to travel further to get what is, you know, normal for someone in the urban setting. So um, it's, it's, it's brought out a lot of great dialogue. It's brought some new relationships. And, and quite frankly, I think we're a lot stronger right now. <laughs> okay. I, I see you're so busy. So this will be my last one. What's it like balancing this job with, uh, with being a mayor? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's only as good as uh, Jesus. Um, I don't think anyone could have predicted um, what we got ourselves into, but, you know, living in the cool, born and right raised, we've gone through a lot of economic times. We know whether it was forestry, finishing or uh, this, the reality is uh, the municipality was always a silent person in the background when I remember. So I just really wanted to make sure that, you know, the needs and the wants of the municipality are more at the forefront of conversations here. And for the residents themselves to understand what local government is trying to do for them. Traditionally, there is always such a big divide of government and people. And the reality, the, the democracies have been created here to represent the people. But I think that almost feels like there's a big gap there. And so my, 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 my one of the, again, another positive outcome for me in the last 12 months is um, being able to keep everybody together as a group and they're heard and at least we have about 75 or 80 percent agreement where we're going as a community we don't have little uh we're not we don't have too much divide so um i out of that i'm and i and i I must say a lot of people go oh it must really suck to be the mayor at this time and i actually find it really rewarding and i find it that uh, being able to be in that chair has been able to allow me to get changed like exactly the interview regarding you know temporary use permits you know allowing and and giving administrative um, um, senior staff the ability to come up with this idea and figure out a way to make it happen quicker Mm -hmm. everything in local government doesn't need to happen slow and I think that's the challenge for local government we got ourselves into such a an assumption in this in, in process and red tape where what's good governance anymore and, you know, I, I always go back to this. The fact is, you know, if they're able to legalize marijuana in 18 months, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of other things that we can, as, as a country, as a municipality, start to make certain priorities and make them happen a little bit quicker. And, and, and quite frankly, all our little municipalities, although we're on our own little, we're on our own little piece of the pie, it would be nice to see some broader 
um, inclusion and acceptance of making things. Whatever you do in Nanaimo should be okay to do in Yuki or Tofino. I think that when you have government trying to, to, to make things more complicated in red tape, it's not good for anyone. So that was a long-winded one for your radio. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's brought people together, but it's also told people that, hey, maybe life was moving too quick and this is a good way to slow it down a bit. I think it's the first time in our humanity or my lifetime that it's actually forced us to stop. I don't think the earth has been uh, this little break with no planes flying around. It's really giving uh, everyone a bit of a peace in the world to just kind of slow down a little bit. I'm hoping there's going to be some lessons learned out of here. I'm nervous that we're going to get back to the normal, which isn't good for a lot of us in different ways, but we'll see what pops out of it. Mako, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you take care. and Thanks for reaching out. All right, you take care. And in today's Capital Daily News Review. This week, registration for vaccinations will open for all BC adults. Each weekday, we'll add an age cohort, beginning on Monday with 40-plus and concluding on Friday with 18-plus. Registration does not book a vaccine, but gives the person a number with which to later book and gives health officials an estimate of how many doses are needed in each community. Today is also the scheduled end of circuit breaker restrictions intended to curb the third wave, such as the indoor dining ban. Those restrictions are expected to be extended into May. For more info like this in your inbox every single morning, subscribe to the Capital Daily newsletter at capitaldaily.ca. Do you want to help support Capital Daily's local journalism and connect your business with our engaged and curious Greater Victoria audience of almost 50,000? Email our partnerships team at advertising at capitaldaily.ca. Thank you for spending some of your Monday with us. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review and also subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. We post new episodes every Monday to Friday. My name is Jackie Lamport. This is the Capital Daily Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow.